0: you're listening to the creating a brand podcast i'm your host alex sanfilippo my guest today is a very successful ceo of a marketing agency called wayfinder they're at hirewayfinder.com his name is wes gay and he has built his entire business around two main principles number one solving problems and number two clarity We talk about how this is the framework and the foundation for earning more paying clients. It sounds simple, right? He really does make it sound simple and in a way that all of us can duplicate with whatever our business is, whatever brand that we are creating. So I'm really excited about this very insightful interview with Wes Gay. Let's go ahead and jump over to it now. Wes, I'm glad to have you here today, man. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So I know that you have been in the business world, the marketing world for a long time. So I actually just kind of want to hear a little bit of your story in case people don't know where you came from exactly. You mind sharing a little bit of your background? Sure. So for about
1: ten years, I worked in churches and nonprofits in areas like marketing, communications, production. There was a couple of places I worked where I was also the default IT guy, but that was only because I was the only person under forty. Okay. So the assumption was I was an IT guy because I was under forty. Right. Um, I've <laughs> been know, that,
0: I've been that guy as well. <laughs> kind of, which really just means you fix printers and restart people's Windows machines. That's, That's all exactly that means. What you mean? You know? And I started asking that question. I'm like, did you try restarting it? And people get frustrated. I'm like, listen, if you restart it, it'll probably work. And sure. Uh-huh. 90% of the time.
1: Restart it, plug it in, turn it on. Those are my three things. Right. Uh, but I got to where I actually wouldn't tell people to do that because I just wanted them. This is terrible. But it, to me, it was marketing. I was like, you know what? If I just come in and fix it, the relational equity there can be enormous so that when I need their help later with some kind of internal initiative or moving things down the line, I'll have an advocate in my corner because I've come in from a position of, let me just help you. I don't want to degrade you. I don't want to demean you. I know some people feel intimidated by technology. Let me just do it, and then, down the road, that kind of relational capital is going to be helpful for whatever else I'm trying to accomplish or whatever else I need to get done. so the West uh-huh. CIT
0: guy that drop dropping wisdom on us already I should have thought of that because I would just like figure out yourself after a while, so I didn't build any equity with those people, but it sounds were, like you did <laughs> there were times I would tell people to check the flux capacitor because I knew they were back to back to the future fans,
1: yeah. yeah. So that was always a default thing. They're like, hey, my computer's not working. Did you check your flux
0: capacitor? <laughs> All right. So after, after <laughs> your career in IT, what did you do yeah. next? IT was just a little bit of it. It was primarily yeah, marketing
1: communications. I, in churches, I would do some music because I've got a music background. And then in 2016, I found myself unemployed, had gone about six months with no job. But in that mm-hmm. time... I actually started writing for Forbes.com. They had just started a channel dedicated to millennials, the Under 30 channel, and they were looking for content writers. I had written a few pieces across the internet somewhere on millennials. Their editors found it, reached out. I wrote a couple of guest posts, which turned into being one of their paid contributors. Did that for about a year and a half. Very cool. So so in the middle of all that, though, like I said, was unemployed. We had a two-year-old. And our second was born in that time. Obviously, I was trying everything I could to go get a, quote, real job, you know, applying in different places, things like that. Mm-hmm. I had been following this guy out of Nashville named Donald Miller. Now, Donald Miller, I started following him in the mid-2000s when he wrote a book called Blue Like Jazz. I remember that. Yeah. It's great. I remember reading. it it was really good. I'd read everything else he had written since. In about 2014, 2015, he started doing this marketing workshop called Story Brand. He was doing it in Nashville. It was just him and a couple of people. And he was working with Chick-fil-A and he worked with Lincoln Motor Company and he worked with Pantene. He worked with, I think, the Obama administration on a fatherhood initiative. I mean, all kinds of stuff. Mm -hmm. Really cool. And so I knew people who in here in Atlanta who had gone through the private workshop with him. I'd seen the content. They had just started a podcast and they said, hey, we're doing a copywriter certification in Nashville. Two days, be trained, and then you can go work with StoryBrand clients. And I remember I was going to a meeting one day about a potential consulting gig And my wife called me. and was like, hey, did you see the email? I said, yeah, I saw it. She said, you should just do it. I said, why? She said, because I think you'd be really good at it. You get business. You get marketing. So why not go give this a shot? I was like, all right. Well, I don't have any money, right? So I have to put it on a credit card, which don't tell Dave Ramsey.
0: (laughs) Right. And
1: uh, I was so cheap that I – it was like a Monday morning at 9 a.m. is when it started. So I got up Monday morning at like 4 and drove to Nashville. Oh, my gosh. ate breakfast at – some North Georgia Chick-fil-A at 632, two minutes after they open with a free chicken sandwich card I had or chicken biscuit card I had and just like cheaped it out the whole time. because I, I didn't have any money. Right. So, mm-hmm. but within an hour of that session, I thought this is where I'm supposed to be. Like this feels right. So wow. do the certification for two days, Get home on Tuesday night, Wednesday morning, wake up and go, that was fun. And I've got to go make $5,000 plus money to go at least get a rental house. So I just started working, man. I started finding clients, started building a business, having never really done that before. I had dabbled in a couple of things that were never really successful. And within a couple of months, we moved into a killer rental house that we're still in. Built a business, working with clients, started traveling a ton, like it's just crazy. Got some really cool opportunities, and so since then, two and a half years ago, it's just
0: continued to continue to climb. That's great. Did you now? Your wife is the one that saw the potential, not necessarily you. Did you think it was going to turn into what it turned into? No.
1: So two weeks after I actually did it, we were we're scheduled to go to Orlando, Florida, to spend a weekend with a church down there that I had been talking to for a few months. I had attended there. And was a volunteer there when I lived in Orlando uh, about eight or nine years ago. Mm-hmm. So I knew their staff and they were looking for a part-time director of communications two, three days a week, you know, pay a little bit. And I thought, well, here's what I'll do. I'll do this story brand thing a little bit. I'll probably do a little bit of millennial consulting because I thought that was a thing. It's really not.
0: It's not a thing, I, huh?
1: I was writing for Forbes. It's really hard to sell that. And so I thought – and then, you know, I'll kind of have a mix and it would be nice and eventually I'll probably get a full-time job somewhere. Yeah. And the Orlando thing fell through. So I was like, well, I'm just going to keep doing the story brand thing. And I just started getting leads and I started getting business. Oh, wow. And I started getting referrals and I just kept working at it. And I kept finding clients and it just started to build. And
0: within a few months, I was like, all right, this is it. This is my real, my quote, real job now. So let's go. Right. Yeah, that's, that's great. And did you become passionate about it as you went along with it? Or was it kind of something that you were always excited about? Or do you feel like you really like built into that? I always
1: liked it. I loved the concept of the StoryBrand framework. I loved the work itself. I loved being able to s- help people solve problems and then kind of cut through the noise, mm-hmm. which is what StoryBrand is all about. is getting to what the messaging that really matters. So I wanted to help them cut through the noise and the nonsense. And then I also really love the variety of it. Like I'm not really one who does well staying in the same thing for a really long time. Mm-hmm the variety, you know, different industries, different types of clients, different business sizes, different locations, etc. It's just really fun. So I I liked it. For me, I guess the passion more or less came pretty quickly because I loved helping people use the framework. And selfishly, I also love the fact that I found something that I was actually really good at. I'd never been in a role where I felt like the work was really right for me that also paid. And right. so I think the that's ability, a lot of us. Yeah, the ability, you know, the wife and two kids, the ability to provide a good income and a good living for them is equally actually more important than the passion for the clients because one feeds the other, so to speak. And so it's to me, it's a both and.
0: Yeah. And now, okay, I've got tons of questions for you now. So we're going <laughs> to okay. go th- different ways here because I right. want to actually talk about the uh, the story brand framework at least a sure. little bit. but. okay. The thing about the StoryBrand framework is it doesn't get you clients just because you know the framework. It's not some complete magic. I know it helps, yes, but how did you start earning clients? What did you do that made you unique? Because there's other people that knew this as well. Mm -hmm. How did you start building that business? Because building a a business in marketing can be tough. There's a lot of people in that game trying to gain traction. What did you do? Sure. So a couple things.
1: One, I knew that attaching to something like a story brand was huge. It's the same reason people get certified in HubSpot and Infusionsoft and whatever. Right. Because there's a delegated authority that comes along with having that certification. Absolutely. You know, so I know, you know, when I talk about marketing with a lot of people, I use the analogy of an air war versus a ground war. The air war is, man, we can use planes to drop bombs and cover a lot of territory very fast. And the ground war is down in the weeds, the hand-to-hand combat kind of stuff. Storybrand, because they have delegated their authority to me, with millions of downloads on the podcast, and they've sold hundreds of thousands of the Building a Storybrand book, and you know Don has spoken all over the world for the last 15 years. That's covering a lot of ground and really advancing the oh, calls yeah. on my behalf. Yeah. So anybody who is in the Storybrand world who says, "Oh, I did it all on my own," that's not really true, <laughs> because Storybrand HQ up in Nashville does a ton. Right. So it was that I got to lead with that authority, but it also was the posture by which I came in. So for me, the ground war side of it was anybody who's been around leadership for 12 minutes has heard of a guy named John Maxwell. Yep. One of the John Maxwellisms is always provide value. Like whoever you're leading, mm-hmm. whoever your audience is always try to provide value. Having thought through that and worked for a nonprofit that did leadership training eight or 10 years ago, I had always just kind of thought if not only is it mean to provide value, but when you do that, you become valuable. Yeah. And there is a price tag for being valuable, specifically in a tangible thing like marketing. So I knew my audience was people who had gone through the StoryBrand workshop or a course or whatever, and I knew they needed help. When you go through a live event or the online course, you get added to a alumni Slack channel, if you're familiar with Slack, the communication yeah. platform. Mm-hmm. And there's literally a group in there called Peer Feedback. And I was like, wait a second. <laughs> These are the people who need my help. And they are literally asking for my help. I don't oh, have to wow. go find them. They're here. They're here in a peer feedback channel. And so I went in there and saw, you know what? I hate being sleazy. I hate being salesy. It's uncomfortable. I'm not good at it. So I said, I'm just going to provide value, and I'll know I'll be valuable to somebody. So I went in there. I started answering questions. Hey, I would change this around. Change the text on your button to say this. I'm a little confused here. What if you tried that, right? Take a few minutes, giving them away some value, stuff that you should charge for, but I still gave it away. And then if there was an engagement or a conversation in kind of the thread... I would usually send them a direct message later and say, hey, I hope that helped. If you want me to take another look at it or if I can help you, if I can just do this project for you, let me know. I'm one of the new StoryBrand certified copywriters. Here's a link to schedule a call and we can chat about it. That was all I did. And I also realized too, and this is people building businesses, I realized pretty quickly my greatest opportunity to scale fast was to find somebody who served a parallel audience to me, but our work didn't intersect. So, uh, for example, Very smart. I started as a copywriter. Well, who needs copywriters? Web designers. What do web designers have? Clients who need copywriters. Yeah. And so I got connected to two different web designers in the story brand world pretty fast. They both had projects. So that's partly how I got a half dozen clients in a couple of months was I thought, who were the people who were – we can serve the same clients and never overlap. And for me, it was a web designer. So I got connected there. And just kept building. And then it became a referral thing. You know, people would say, hey, I'm looking for one of the StoryBrand certified copywriters who you recommend because I was the only one in the group working it like that. My clients were saying, hey, you should talk to Wes. Hey, check, check with Wes. He's great. Hey, Wes really helped me.
0: And that's how it built. That's great. So what you did, and maybe this is your whole business model, I don't mean to give it away or anything like that, but you solved the immediate problem. Exactly. Their problem
1: is not that they haven't hired me. Right, And that's a mistake a lot of people in marketing, especially, or any kind of sales. We presume the client's problem is they haven't hired us yet. And that's not really the problem. It's not. You're right. They're not coming to me for that. They're saying, hey, I don't know if my website is very good. Well, let me me help you figure out if your website's good first. And then if you want to hire me and we'll fix the whole thing, we can do that. But if not, let's go fix your website first and come in from that posture as opposed to, hey, I'm Wes. You should pay me money. Right.
0: How many times does that one work for you? That would be a whopping 0%. Alex. Yep, that's that's what I figured. Yeah, but you see you jump in there and you want to offer help and just like kind of serve that immediate need, no matter how big or small it may be. Normally it's probably pretty small. Someone's like, "How do you do this?" and you're like, "XYZ." You know, you give them an immediate answer and that helps them out, but I know that people's minds automatically go to, "Well, what else does this guy got? What else can he do for me because that helped me a lot just in that few mm-hmm. minutes?"
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's I mean, people I had I talked to a guy last year. One of the things I get to do is go back to Nashville every every couple of months and be a facilitator for the story brand workshop. And so I I did it last year and I talked, I had a guy in my group as I was coaching for the two days who runs a sales training organization in Boston. And he had a line that I'm sure I've heard before, but the way he said it, I just stole it. And his line is people don't want to be sold to. They want to buy things. What he's Mm -hmm. saying is they're not looking for a solution shoved down their throat. They're trying to find the right solution to the problem they have. So give it to them. You know, we live in a culture where We can ask our devices any question, and I'm not going to say those devices' names because I have both of them in my office right now, and I don't want to start this loop of Apple and Amazon talking to each other. Right, of course. (laughs) But, you know, it's like people are asking questions, so just answer their questions. I understand sometimes rent's due and money you got to have money coming up, but I think if you're going to build a, a more sustainable business model, and you see this on Shark Tank every single week, people who don't get deals, it'll be like, what happened? Well, you didn't really solve a problem. You were trying to answer a question that people have and they want to pay money for. You're trying to sell something, and those are two radically different things.
0: Yeah, you know what? There's actually some business training that I went through, and one of the biggest points that stood out to me was the question they asked everybody, why do you want to start a business? Everyone almost had the exact same answer, and it was because I want to be successful or I want to like be financially free or I want X, Y, Z. All these different things that people said that they wanted – and that was the wrong answer. You know, and there is some truth to that. But the answer they were looking for was you're seeking to solve a problem. Start a business to start a business to solve a problem, not just to get rich. Because that just means you want money. Like, just ask mm-hmm. people to hand you money instead. So I really like that. And I think it's so important that all successful businesses are built around that ability to solve problem or meet a need. Yeah, I mean, every company,
1: even, again, I go out right to Shark Tank, so many of those companies that have gone experience meteoric success, they solve needs. And sometimes they're really dumb needs. Like one of the most prolific companies out there on that, from that show is a scrub daddy thing. I mean, it's a sponge, right? It's a sponge. But they have sold a boatload of sponges <laughs> because they figured right. out a problem people have when it comes to sponges. And apparently people are willing to pay for it. Yeah. You know, business is really that simple. I think sometimes what we want to do is we want to define business on our own terms, forgetting that the market has to defines a lot for us. Yes. What you need to do is, if you're looking to go into any kind of business, is figure out, okay, what am I actually good at? And I would argue it's not even the specific deliverable. It's what are your general strengths? Like I knew for years that I was a pretty good writer in terms of being succinct being and being clear. For example, when I worked at a church one time where one of the most beloved guys on staff got fired for no reason. He just got fired by—we didn't have a senior pastor at the time, and we had a group of lay leaders kind of running things, and they just didn't like him. And so they decided to let him go. Well, obviously, you have to send an email to the church about it. And I was like, I was just above the part-time people in the org chart. Like, I wasn't high up <laughs> at all. Right. And so the executive pastor, who was my boss, called me into his office one day and said, hey, I need you to write the email explaining why he got fired. And I was like, why? He's like, because you're the, you're the best one on the staff at writing stuff. I was like, all right. So I did it. Everybody read it. Everybody thought it was great. It was effective. It just kind of cut through. So I knew that was my strength. What I didn't realize, though, is that's actually called being a copywriter. I just hadn't been exposed mm-hmm. to it. But I, in a sense, knew what my strengths were. So I would think part of being in business for yourself is understanding what your overall strengths are and then figuring out specifically how to connect those strengths to a problem that somebody has.
0: Yeah, that's, that's fantastic. That's exactly how you do it. That's how you're mm-hmm. really going to grow a business that's able to scale and uh-huh. able to, to have some longevity. And then right. like you're, you're talking about those referrals start coming in. When you help people, again, they want to know more. What else can you do? Sure, that's, that's just automatically a question in our heads. Like, you know, when you buy a certain product that you like, you go to that same company, see, well, what else do they have? Is there something else here that I could use? It's the first thing that we all do in our minds, but also that referral. Like when you help somebody and somebody that's a friend of that person sees, wow, how did you get through this? And be like, oh, Wes really helped me out with this. Uh-huh. And then they want to say, well, how can I talk to him? I want to, I want to see what he can do for me. Exactly. I mean, literally –
1: I'm in a marketing world. I don't sell low tier products. So, for things like for me, I would have to have really long, complicated, paid advertising funnels to be able to drive qualified clients. It's just the nature of what I do. But in the world I'm in, referrals are great. They're usually the best qualified leads. But a referral for a new client tomorrow starts with delivering value to a current client today.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And if you, it's amazing. I mean, I live outside of Atlanta and I'm working with a new company. We start our project, I think, next week. And the guy that called me found me on LinkedIn because he was looking for Story Brand and he, lo- he was just doing his due diligence as people do. And he found a testimonial I had on my website that happened to be from a childhood friend of his in Kentucky. Small
0: worlds. <laughs> exactly.
1: That. So they connected. I kind of did a conversation with his team down at his office not far from my house. And now we're going to start working together in a week or two. So it's, you know, having that client who the guy lives in kentucky working for a company in north carolina and then this guy in atlanta found me because they're childhood friends right i mean it's just crazy that is you unbelievable. just never know and yeah. I, I get it's not predictable i get it's hard to scale but at the same time if you can figure out how to make it more predictable and if you figure out how to scale it especially when you're in a higher ticket items it's a services-based work it's going to be really good for you in the long run
0: Yeah, absolutely. And then you kind of mentioned something I think is key there. It's figuring out what you are best at, what you're Uh really good at. So, for example, when I first got started, I knew I wanted to help people. I've always been good on computers. I can do web design. I can do all those different things. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to start building websites for people. Mm -hmm. But it was really draining. I would put all my energy into just one client at a time. And not saying that it's like a, a bad career to get into. Some people were really good at it. I was just okay at it. I could understand yeah. what the client needed. That's what actually what I was best at, was understanding what they needed. But then putting that into practice, making it, was difficult for me. So I found mm-hmm. that I was helping much less people than I probably should have been because I was so focused on just these single projects.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: what that ended up doing long term is I ended up finally getting out of that. And then I discovered what I was actually good at was figuring out what people needed and then putting it into terms that an actual web developer could understand and connecting the two together. So almost like a yeah. liaison. the a person in between mm-hmm. the two of them. And that's how I started scaling. I was just forming, in my mind, I've always just called it community. So I was forming community among people that had a need and the person that could actually meet it really well. And I was just the person translating for both of them. Because you know how it is in, in your world even. The, the CEO mm-hmm. or the guy running the business often can't speak the same language as somebody, <laughs> somebody doing what you're doing, right? Mm-hmm. That's and uh, Yeah, it was one of those things. I found out where I was able to add more value. So it's not just a random thing that you're good at. It's like, what am I really best at at my core? Who mm-hmm. am I as a person? Where can I really help people and just leave the biggest impact? And when you find mm-hmm. that area, that's where you can really start building.
1: Yeah, that's what um, Ken Coleman, who is the, I think he's the host of the Dave Ramsey radio show. and Then he has a podcast or he has a radio, his own radio show and content through Ramsey. He calls that your sweet spot, basically where you find your greatest strengths where your greatest skill set or your greatest passions, right? And I think sometimes the challenge is, and this is was my challenge for years. I, for a couple of years, I was connected to an executive coaching firm here in Atlanta while I was also doing the Forbes thing. And I thought, great, I'll be able to do millennial coaching. I couldn't even quantify what that meant, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> and it's like, I'm writing for Forbes. I was certified in this assessment I could give on this really cool, really in-depth, Assessment, but I had such a hard time articulating it because in my own head, I couldn't figure out exactly what people were going to get. And again, people buy solutions to their problems. And so, if you want to try to sell something, especially in the services industry, it's doing the work to figure out what are you actually selling people? Like, what are they going to get when they spend money with you? And if you can quantify that, it's a game changer. I've had proposals I've sent out where I had to do a couple of rounds of conversations, and I later realized. I wasn't really clear in what they got or why it mattered. Hmm. But when I'm able to really effectively articulate that, I usually close pretty quickly because they go, oh, yeah, he understands what we need. I understand what I'm
0: paying money for. Let's go. The number of people creating brands is increasing more rapidly than ever before. Whether it's a personal brand, product or service, more entrepreneurs are getting started today than any other time in history. Although these are exciting times, there is a problem. The problem is that most people don't know where to begin. And as a result, they end up wasting a lot of time and money on products and services that they just don't need. Wouldn't it be great to have a guide to help you save time and money instead of wasting it? Well, there is a solution for you. It's called the Creating a Brand Community. The Creating a Brand Community is your digital mastermind or tribe. It's a network full of entrepreneurs devoted to helping each other succeed. We all help each other by sharing our experiences, recommendations, and discoveries along the way. As we like to say it, our goal is community collaboration focused on helping your brand succeed. The Creating a Brand community operates on our own social media platform. That's right, it's not another Facebook group. Our desktop site and mobile app feature online courses, focus groups, and topical discussion, along with live digital events and in-person events and exclusive content, all focused around the development and success of your brand. If this sounds like something you'd be interested in, please join at creatingabrand.com. It takes less than three minutes to get set up and become part of this community of successful entrepreneurs. When you join, please message me within the community, Alex Sanfilippo. I'd love to have a conversation with you and welcome you to our community. Now, when you first get started with some of these clients though, do you Mm -hmm. actually know what they want or is it kind of both of you just dancing around explaining it until finally it clicks? Because sometimes it's not easy for them to articulate or you to be in their head. They might be Mm visioning something totally different. How have you run through that process? Yeah. So I try to look at it as I'm trying to diagnose their issue. Right. So
1: any effective diagnosis is going to be a lot of questions. And I know having worked with 60 or 70 clients in the last two and a half years, specifically with StoryBrand, writing well over 150,000 words of copy with the StoryBrand framework, like I've gotten some experience so that I can I can navigate. I usually know where the landmines are. I know where people usually get stuck, not every time, but I have a pretty good lay of the land with the framework. So I'm able to usually figure out what their big pain point is. Gotcha. Now what I don't do is I never prescribe a specific plan beyond getting clarity in their messaging for me, because that's what I do. I'm not gonna prescribe Facebook ads or LinkedIn ads for everybody or Pinterest or Instagram strategies or whatever I'm going to go, okay, what is your problem? Like to really strip it down, why are you not making money?
0: (laughs) Like what is the issue? That is the question. That is the ultimate question. It's a good place to start.
1: Why are you not making money or why are you not making more money? And I do want to pause here and say I am totally okay with having the money conversation with clients. I'm fully comfortable talking about it in terms of revenue and growth and all that. Because I think there's sometimes this – uneasiness about money in our culture, particularly if you're self-employed or if you're working with folks. The reality is, though, if you're in a business and you can't quantify or can't clarify how you help a business make money, you're really more trying to serve nonprofits because you're trying to sell a feeling. Right. What people do with their money is between them and Jesus. But my goal is, let me help you make more money because when you can make more money, you can hire more people, you've got more margin in your own budget, you've got more margin in terms of revenue, you've got more margin in terms of profit. You can, you know, pay for things for people. You can pay salaries. I mean, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, everything changes when you have some money. It'll make you happy, but it pays your insurances and buys dinner, right? So I want to help people make money in their business, and so I look at it and say, okay, why are you not making money in your business, or why are you not making more money in your business? In my world, the reason usually is because people don't understand what they do. Right. You read their website, and you're like, I don't, I don't know what that means. Yeah, that's, that's English. I see a subject and I see a verb, but that's, I don't have any clue beyond that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So to me, it's about, I'm trying to diagnose your issue. Sometimes diagnosing their problem takes a little more time because it's more complicated. You know, they're a bigger company, they're B2B, they got more buyers, et cetera. So I've got plans to facilitate that kind of discovery phase. But for the most part, I can kind of diagnose that early on because of having done it so much.
0: Yeah, and you're, you're asking quality questions. You're getting straight to the bottom of it, and I think that you know the quality of the response you get is going to be gauged by the question you're asking. You've got to mm-hmm. ask a question that has some power behind it, and it sounds like you're doing that. You're cutting straight to the chase. You're asking the question that most people probably would walk in there and be like, okay, don't ask them about money. Uh-huh. Don't talk about it. But you're going straight to it, which makes sense, because really, at the end of the day, that's the problem, right? Sure, it could be our website's not good enough, but it's like, okay, well, why does that matter? You know, you're just, If you keep on drilling down uh-huh. that way, Yeah. I love that you go straight to that question of where are we at? Where are we at with the money? How do we make more? And that's great. And, you know, again, that quality question is what's going to help you get to the bottom of what the customer is actually needing Mm -hmm. before anything else would.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's it, man. It's you have to be in a position of asking questions because when I'm trying to solve a problem, the solution usually is clarity in my world because the framework is all about getting clarity. So the problem is confusion. What I have to figure out is where is the confusion happening? Is it happening on their website? Is it happening in their sales process? I mean, where is it? And it's a matter of you have to learn to ask those questions and think about, okay, where are people getting stuck? And how do I help them get the clarity they need to move forward and to get unstuck?
0: Right. You know, I actually want to talk a little bit about that. We don't have time Mm -hmm. to get into all the story brand framework or anything like that, but you're talking about clarifying your message. What are some ways that you help people do that?
1: Sure. Well, I walk people through the story brand framework. If for the audience who's not familiar with it, I would encourage you, like as soon as this interview's over, so don't do it before, as soon as the interview's over, go to Amazon and buy a book called Building a Story Brand. And it walks you through the seven-part framework. Now, the reason it's called Story Brand is it has nothing to do with telling your company story, but it's about using story to draw your customer in. Because storytelling is this device, it's this way of communicating. Human beings have used since the beginning to be able to communicate things to each other and things that we remember, right? We have ancient stories from centuries ago that are still passed on. I mean, stories are used in the Bible, right? They're used in every form of ancient literature because the reason is stories captivate our attention. It's the reason why the Avengers Endgame tickets sold out so fast and some started appearing on eBay for like $10,000 for opening night tickets. Oh my gosh. Because there is a story that's concluding that people want to engage in. And so we can use this really, it's not new, it's this ancient formula of storytelling that you can can compel people in. So one of the ways that you can help clarify your own marketing messaging is number one, what is a problem that your customers have? And your problem, again, like I said earlier, is not the fact that they haven't hired you yet. Their problem is something else. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So what is that problem? Like, what is the actual issue they have? But if you want to be like everybody else, just stop with that issue. But if you want to go next level and really create clarity, think about how that problem makes people feel. For example, I've said a few times I live in Atlanta, Georgia. Atlanta, Georgia is the home of Chick-fil-A, which means I literally have five or six Chick-fil-A restaurants within 15 minutes of my house, including two that are in the same parking lot. One is in the mall. One is outside in the parking lot of the mall. It's ridiculous. Yeah. They all got double drive throughs They're always crowded. I have like 11,000 Chick-fil-A points on the app, whatever. But you think about Chick-fil-A makes more money per store per year than McDonald's, Starbucks, and Subway combined. Oh, wow. I didn't realize that. Now, those three stores are all open seven days a week. Chick-fil-A is only open six days a week. And Chick-fil-A has fewer stores than any one of those brands. I mean, there's a Subway every 17 feet, it feels like. Yeah. So you think about those three major glo- – I mean Starbucks and McDonald's are enormous global brands. Now think about McDonald's and Chick-fil-A. At the surface, they both solve the same problem, hunger. I want lunch. I want breakfast. I want dinner. Right. The kids are crazy. We need a happy meal, whatever. But Chick-fil-A has intuitively gone a level deeper and said, how do people feel when they come into a quick service restaurant? Well, a lot of fast food places, nobody really wants to be there. It's almost like the staff is wearing the glasses and the fake mustaches because they're trying to hide. Nobody looks happy. The lights usually aren't working. The ice cream machine usually isn't working at at McDonald's. You know, it's just like it's not a great environment. The food's not super high quality. You don't really know where the ingredients are from, whatever. Chick-fil-A says, hey, you know what? We're going to create a bright, energetic atmosphere where our people are really well trained. Our staff is treated well. We have fresh flowers on the table. When you come in, you have people who are uh, will walk around and refill your drink if you need it. I mean it's – they go over the top, and it's not that much more money than a McDonald's or a Wendy's or whatever. And they don't have a dollar menu. They don't run sales. They're more of the price of a Moe's or a Chipotle than they are McDonald's. Mm-hmm. But the reality is they said, how do people feel? So think about the problem that your potential customers or clients have and then what's the feeling that comes out of that? So that's one thing I would say. Another thing I would say – is what is it like or what does it take for somebody to hire you or to work with you? In the brand remember, we call it the plan. Like, how do people do business with you? You think about it, your target audience, your clients or customers, they've never worked with you before, so they don't know how it goes. We don't assume they're dumb. We just assume they're busy and this is new. Anytime we encounter something new, We always are a little uneasy, whether it's hiring somebody, whether it's going somewhere new on a vacation for a first time, being in a new airport, doesn't matter. I was in JFK in New York City a few weeks ago, first time I'd flown out of there. And I thought, this airport is awful. I can't find anything. The signage is terrible. I have no idea what I'm supposed to do. This is annoying because I'm from Atlanta, which is super efficient and everything's labeled and it's great. But it's what is the process like? So just tell people, hey, step one, we're going to have a call or step one, buy my product. Step two, go through the onboarding sequence. Step three, learn proven ways to grow your brand. I mean, whatever it is, but give people three to four really simple steps in order to uh, move forward. And I'd say the last thing I'd recommend is the next piece of marketing collateral you create, whether it's an email newsletter, a website, whatever, ask this question, what is the one thing I want people to do as a result of this? Not the seven, not the four, not the two. What is the one thing I want them to do with this? What you probably want to do is click a buy now button, click a register now button, click a schedule a call button, some kind of a button to take action to do business with you. And then once you decide make that decision, take out every other call to action
0: don't do it exactly i've seen Uh, so many email newsletters where there are 15 calls to action you know that like you can do this 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 whatever you want and i guess the idea behind that is maybe makes sense when you first think about it but it's like oh this will be something for everybody but when it's for everybody it's for nobody right i talked to a client once
1: who had pretty good email list over the years i built it 30 something thousand or whatever and was, you know, should be making pretty good money fairly consistently, but it was kind of struggling to connect. So I said, all right, let's look at your email list. Email list is good. If people paid you once, it's going to be really easier for them to pay you again. I looked at it, and she sent me an email, and it had 27 different calls to action in it, 27. And I was like, how about we take those out? And let's have the same call to action like three times, so they can always click on it, and let's just see what happens. And people engaged, because they knew what you wanted them to do. They didn't go to a... They didn't go to your Facebook page that hasn't been updated in two weeks or, and you can't even buy from it. They didn't go to your, you know, some read more page or they read your bio. They don't care. What is the thing you want people to do? What's the one action you want people to take and then make that the only action they can take?
0: Yeah, I think a lot of people kind of forget this concept, but people want to be told what to do. Uh-huh. Not in general, you know, people don't want to be told what to eat, when to work out, any of those type of things, but people want direction in general. So uh-huh. when they're already consuming something that you're providing, by not giving them direction, you're just leaving them hanging. It's uh-huh. like, hey, follow me, and then you just disappear. And it's like, okay, so what do they want me to do now? But by doing this, you're actually giving them a direction saying, this is where this is your next step. This is what I want from you.
1: I would say watch this particular issue in the presidential election that we have coming up in the next year and a half. Because the candidates who are going to resonate are going to have what is the one thing you want people to do or what's the plan to get there? Right. They're really clear, they're, their messaging is concise, it's not all over the place. You're going to see this really – and the people who are going to lose are going to be the people who either aren't clear in what they want you to do, and they're not clear in what their plan is to move forward. What are those steps to engage? It's going to be a muddled mess. There's going to be a lot of money wasted in political campaigns, and we're going to have another crazy election next year because the good candidates couldn't get out of their own way to think through what are the problems people actually have? What are the problems? What's the plan to get there? And then what's the call to action that people need to take or the thing that people need to do?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think about our our current administration when President <laughs> Trump was be, you know, he was running for office. What was his goal? What did he want everyone to do? What was the plan, uh-huh. right? Everyone knew he was going to make America great again. Like that's what he yep. wanted. But uh-huh. his opponent who definitely should have won, what was hers? I'm with her. Or I mean, better I, together, right? But that see, it, the, the fact that we don't know and it doesn't make <laughs> any sense, it kind of gave her a disadvantage without even meaning to because she should have won for sure. She was the preferred uh-huh. candidate in every way. But he was just so clear he was going to make America great again. And everybody knows that. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I mean I did
1: a, I did a thing one time two years ago in 2017 with a company. It was a, a North American theme park brand. And they had a guy – all their marketing people across the whole company were there, including one guy from Canada. And I used the same illustration you just did. What was What was Bernie Sanders' plan for America? Like what did he want people to do? Or what was the path to get to a better future? And somebody said, weed. I was like, weed is not really a plan. But that's right. – <laughs> that I said, funny. what about Hillary? And one lady sitting right beside where I was standing said, oh, I was on Hillary's campaign. I said, great. What did she – what was her plan? What did she want people to do? She's like, I, I don't remember. I said, now you see where I'm going. Right. And then I asked – I think the guy's name was Dave from Canada. I said, hey, Dave, what was Donald Trump's plan for America knowing he could not vote because he's Canadian? He goes, make America great again. And I was like, who won? Mm-hmm. There was a clarity. There was a simplicity and there was wow. a – a sense of achievableness because it was like, that's the path forward. Like, that he's showing me how to get to where I want to go. Right. But Hillary and even Jeb Bush and Bernie Sanders, and everybody else, their plan was all about them, or their plan was all about what they were going to do, not what do we either need to do together or how can I help you get to where you want to go?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that this relates completely to our businesses as well. Like, whether we're proud of what we built or not, which we all should be proud of it, we can't be so proud that we make it about us. And I think a lot of people position their companies that way. You know, I've been at so many conferences. I speak a lot of them. People hand me their cards. You can tell the ones that are like, check this out. It's all about me. I'm great. I'm awesome. I did this. You know, mm-hmm. and then you, you immediately feel like a disconnect. Like, okay, well, is it for me or is it for you? Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. I think that's just a dangerous place to, to get when you're starting a business. You have to walk in some form of humility and know that you are there to solve someone else's problem to help them. Yeah, Exactly. Well, Wes, I really appreciate you being on the show today, man. This was a great conversation. I probably have about another hundred questions I want to ask you, which we'll save for another time. But thank you so much for being on today. Hey, thanks for having me. You could probably tell from this episode, but I am extremely passionate about these topics. I could have talked to Wes for hours longer. However, I'm not going to do that out of respect for your time. And also selfishly, I want you to continue to listen to episodes. And if I have a four-hour episode, you might be gone. So, I want to ask you a couple questions here. Number one, what are you saying with your messaging? Number two, what are you saying with your emails? And number three, are you solving your customer's immediate problem? And are all these things containing a single focus? That's really what we talked about in there. The more clarity you give and the more you are focused on solving your customer or potential customer's immediate need, the more paying clients you're going to convert. Wes said, always provide value seek to add value first. That is great wisdom, great advice, and I'm gonna have a shameless plug here for the Creating a Brand community. We have an entire topic focused on just this. It is our problems and solutions section of the social media platform where we're just in there posting things that we're struggling with or to get people's feedback or ideas on certain things that we're working on, and we're all just there helping each other, and I love that. Again, that to me is just proof. This framework that Wes was talking about absolutely works and is very effective. Wes is also offering an exclusive free giveaway in the creating brand community for anybody who's interested in any member can get this, which is literally incredible. But he's offering to do a free website evaluation for any of the creating brand community members. I love that he's doing that because he's practicing what he preaches. He is going to help us clarify our message and solve our potential clients immediate need. And we do this, we're all going to earn more paying clients. So Wes, Thank you so much for being on this episode. Thank you so much for offering this exclusive to our community because that has so much value. I know you usually charge quite a bit for that as well, but I'm very thankful for it personally and know our community is going to be as well. If you're interested in learning more about Wes, you can visit HireWayFinder.com. HireWayFinder.com. Wes, thank you again for sharing your wisdom. Again, it's a topic I'm passionate about, excited to discuss in the Creating a Brand community. If you're interested in show notes from today's episode, you can go to creatingabrandpodcast.com. Thank you as always for listening to this episode. I'll be back with you all next week.